the economic wealth from this thing, like electronic music, mm -hmm. specifically for white Europeans, became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're still kind of seeing that going, like commodity at each move, at each level of what seems like improvement. And also like the kind of branded partnership blow ups and like all of this, like, oh, you're a DJ. That means you're also a sneaker model. And, uh, you know, right. it's like, right. It's just like hard to like wade through all of that and then still be attached to a creative practice at all. guys, welcome to another episode of Al Anonymous. If you're enjoying Al Anonymous, the podcast, please consider subscribing to the Patreon at patreon.com slash alanonymous. If you don't feel like paying for my otherwise free pod, it would mean a whole lot if you could subscribe, rate, and review Al Anonymous on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if that's too much for you, perhaps you can Tell all your friends how much you love the pod. Thanks, guys, and enjoy this episode. Hello, listeners, and welcome to Al Anonymous. I'm Al, your host of this podcast. Thank you for listening. Today, I have my friend Emma Olson. She actually has a hyphenated name, but I don't think I can pronounce it right now. Emma, can you help me out here? Sure. It's Emma Burgess Olson. Oh, Burgess Olson. Emma is the guest of the hour and she is a musician and that there's no like masculine or feminine musician, musicianess. True. Just musician. It's, it's just great. musician. Yeah. yeah. Same as disc jockey, just oh. gender neutral. Yeah. Well, Emma is a disc jockey, aka a DJ. And today we're going to be talking about nightlife and also Emma's practice and lifestyle, etc., mental health, all the things. Yes. So, Emma. Yes. Welcome. Thank you for being Thank on you. the pod. Thank you for having me. You're a musician. Yes. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. I I make electronic music. I started DJing before I started making music. I I guess I don't know how to... There's so much. There's just yeah. so much. When, okay, so when did you start DJing? Okay, I started DJing in 2010, mm -hmm. in the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. And I moved to New York that summer. Where were you living before then? In Lawrence, Kansas. Whoa. So I was DJing... In Kansas City. Wow. At that time. Are you from Kansas? Not really. Um, but in a way, yes. I was born in the Bronx, lived in Ithaca when I was a kid. And oh, then wow. Gorgeous. My, exactly. <laughs> and then um, I moved to Lawrence, Kansas from age six to age 21. Mm -hmm. And you moved here? And then I came here. Cool. I was born in the Bronx, too. Really? Mm -hmm. And then I moved to New Jersey okay. until, like, age six, and then moved upstate. Okay. Then I went to school in Connecticut. No, okay, whatever. We're here in New York. We love it. Yes, yes, staying. Yes. <laughs> so you started DJing while you were still at, um, were you living at home with your parents? No, I, I... Went to college there, so I had uh -huh. been living in an apartment cool. for a few years. And what made you start DJing? Um, friends. I ended up in a group of friends that were DJs and into electronic music, and I was on a message board mm -hmm. about electronic music. And so it's like my whole world kind of became that early on. Uh -huh. And then because I had an interest in it, a friend... Um, taught me how to use virtual DJ. What's virtual DJ? It's like a software, like synthesizing DJing. 
Cool. So, so do you need gear or is it just computer? Just a computer. So I was a laptop DJ. Very cool. Yeah. And then I started playing records when I was I just going to say to New York. Yeah. The, what's the word? If it's not digital, it's analog. Yes. And, yeah. and then you made the switch to from digital to analog. Yeah. I mean, it's still both, but um, mm-hmm. I had my computer stolen twice in a row. Oh. So that's kind of what made me start buying records. And <laughs> no it was one wants like, to steal those. Yeah, 2010 was like a <laughs> kind of a dead zone in nightlife. So uh-huh. records were everywhere, kind of unpopular. Why was it a dead zone in nightlife in 2010? Um, it was like between all of the big clubs closing and any new clubs opening uh-huh. and the cabaret law was still in effect. It was hard to have a club. Wait, what's the cabaret law? The cabaret law was a law that um, was overturned, I believe, four years ago by a team of people affiliated with Boston Nova Civic Club, cool, including cool. a good friend of mine, several good friends of mine. Um, but that is a law that was in place from... Wait, they got it overturned? yes. I want so to that hear was about a law that, that was in place from, I think, the 1920s, uh-huh. which said that uh, dancing in New York City was illegal. Dancing? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's basically, like it was like a law. It was like dancing. a racist law to right. keep people from being, uh, from Enjoying participating themselves. in jazz clubs and dancing. Yeah. Dancing. Yeah. Counterculture of any kind. Um, <laughs> but. So that I so can't, pe- so, sorry, I just want to <laughs> wrap my mind. A, a yeah. law against yeah. dancing. Yes. So yes. like the movie Hairspray or yeah. the musical yeah. Hairspray. Exactly. Wild. Yeah. I, did, um, I really didn't know that was a real so the, thing. The police and the fire department would use that uh, to do raids mm-hmm. of clubs. And that was one thing you could be fined for. Right. Um so there are a lot of reasons, but that was, there were just, weren't really places to do a club night. Uh-huh. The, I think like after the AIDS crisis and after the height of Paradise Garage and all of these famous clubs on the West Side in the 70s, 80s, 90s, it just kind of like all of these factors came together and uh-huh. there wasn't really club culture except for like super, super underground or kind of corny, like, expensive parties. Yeah. Where does Bossa Nova Civic Club fall, do you think? Well, that came in the end of 2012, December of 2012. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that was kind of a culmination of a lot of people meeting in underground spaces. Uh Uh-huh. And then the one person who kind of had the vision behind that, John, created like specifically a legal club for techno music and that really didn't exist at the time. Yeah, I remember I was living in Bushwick when Bossa opened and it was a huge deal. Yeah. And also it was the first time I've like I think ever experienced a club totally. before. Yeah. I had never been to a club. Mm-hmm. And it was <laughs> it was really fun. Yeah. And the music was so good. It was the first time I, like, thought of DJing as performing and not, like, my idea of DJing was, like, what you put, like, a wedding yeah. playlist or something, you know? Yeah. And it was the first time that I I understood that it was an art form. Yeah. I, I don't really feel like DJ culture was in mainstream American culture for most people yeah, I don't, until I, recently. I don't think it really is still, you yeah. know? Like, People think that they've gone to clubs, but I don't think they probably haven't been to the real ones. Sure. Because the real ones, they don't start until like what time? Right. Like Uh, like 3 (laughs) a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, The references are usually Europe or EDM. And only if you have a a family connection, maybe would you know about the roots of Chicago, Detroit, etc. Wow. But I think that's that's changing publicity is happening for electronic music that's in a different great. way. That's good stuff. Yeah. The PR doing their job. Um, <laughs> public relations. But you did, you asked me about music. I started making music also around 2012. So, okay. 
And before 2012, when the legal Bossa Nova Civic Club in mm-hmm. Bushwick opened, were you predominantly going to the underground ones or the corny ones or both? Both or? and playing bars. Uh, that was like the only option. Right. So playing bars, playing home sweet home. Why, why do you think that is? I guess just there wasn't another option. And there's this sort of image that bars want to have of having a live DJ and home sweet home. Home sweet home is an important one. Yeah. yeah. The first, the first place that I played in New York. That place is so cool. It's still there. Yeah. I have not been back (laughs) since I stopped drinking. Yeah. That's, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But what were some of the underground ones? Um, like 285 Kent. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm trying to remember I'm terrible with names. Um, the ones that were like around. There were some like, places around, like around Houston, around. Is Mercury um, Lounge a, a club? Uh, what, that's, that's a venue. More, I think that's more of a venue. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were some places that were like underground bar slash clubs in that zone at that time. I'm just not remembering the names. Uh-huh. And then. There was a lot in Williamsburg at that time, too, right. that was like sort of like semi, yeah, exactly. Or like, yeah, sort of like semi-legal, regular parties. Yeah. Yeah. So is there a difference between like a party thrown like, you know, at a bar or a club and a, and a club? Is the atmosphere, does the atmosphere differ or what? what is... Yeah. What can you say about that? Um, I mean, I think there's kind of a, a spectrum between drinking a cocktail at a bar and being in a rave uh-huh. at 8 a.m. Right. Or something. So there's kind of a broad experience of what those can be. But now what we have is sort of this hybrid of legal venues that synthesize a rave experience. Interesting, um, And I think a lot of that has to do with, like, why you're there. Like, uh-huh. are you there to get drunk or meet people or have a conversation? Or are you there to dance? Mm-hmm. And I think that Bossa Nova was one of those first places where I was, like, only meeting people there that were interested in the music. Right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. It was so weird. Yeah. I was like, I've oh, okay, this is what... The, a, a the, club is no one's talking totally or like, yeah and it's, I, it's like, shocking because i would just go places to be like fucked up and then if sure. i end up dancing then yeah. i'm dancing right it, yeah it was never like the intention like i'm yeah. gonna go out dancing like yeah. such a mom thing but yeah i never met such a high <laughs> concentration of djs at at a bar yeah i love dancing so yeah. much yeah. <laughs> it's like my favorite thing ever. That's great. I mean, I think I I can talk to you forever about that because it's I think it's essential. It is. Did you ever study dance? I know that, that never mind. Um well, actually, yeah, but You did. Yeah, I mean just as like a young person like taking you? ballet and modern. <sighs> I yeah. I could sense that in you. Yeah. Uh-huh. I always know a ballerina. Yeah. I want to get back to it. Uh, okay, we should definitely do that. Okay, I'm there so are down. some really good adult beginner classes. In the okay, East Village. I'm so down. Okay, I I'm I love so ballerinas. Yeah. I just I just know a ballerina yeah. when I see okay, great. one, which is yeah. why I thought it would be okay to ask if you studied yeah. dance. Yeah, because that yeah ballet it's structure. It is my first love. It's structure. Yeah, it's structure. Uh-huh. That's what I love about ballet and it's crazy how different it is uh from dancing in a club Mm, I had to mm -hmm. like learn how to dance to music without that's true eight eight counts and right you know like combinations yeah that's true it's a different it's a different thing and I sorry not to make it all about me but I would feel like more embarrassment or like self-conscious, like dancing yeah. in a in a room full of people than I would like mm. on a stage. Right. 
Well, you have, yeah, you have to do your own choreography. Yeah. 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 Is that a thing that people, I guess there are like dances. I guess I feel like the Macarena. Yeah, exactly. I feel like going, like clubbing lends itself more to like cathartic Mm -hmm. release and no one is supposed to be judging your movements in that space. Right. Right. You know? And they, they aren't. It is a very, uh, judgment free. Yeah, situation. and like, it's, it would be weird if someone was looking at you. Right. While, and that's part of it, too. Yeah, everyone's in it. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. Wait, can we go back to your friends overturning the cabaret law? Sure. How did they go about doing that? And um, it was a huge campaign. So graphic graphics, mm-hmm. uh, education, going to like town halls community meetings, like huge publicity, and then also kind of clarifying the angle that you should care because it shuts down clubs and you should care because the origins are racist. Yeah. And hugely affect the history of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was just in New York, mm-hmm. New York City, or yes. New York State? New York City. Did it, were there other cabaret laws? Like I'm not sure. Of- I wasn't directly part of the campaign mm-hmm. Um so there are some gaps in my knowledge, so, but so there's a statewide law. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was just New York City or New York State, but yeah, I mean it was definitely like it was targeting Harlem, right, right. But the Apollo, what is that like in terms of club venue party? I'm not really bar. sure. I don't know. So yeah. they what they did town hall things, yeah, and they got it overturned. Yes. How long did that take? I feel like it was at least a year, maybe two years of kind of campaign strategy. Yeah. And that made it so it was no longer illegal to to dance. dance. Yes. Yeah. Their campaign was called Let NYC Dance. Yes. Dancing. Yeah. Like yes. the most pure yeah. thing a person yeah. can do with their body. Yes. Dancing was illegal. Yes. My Lord. Well, thank you to those people. Yeah, absolutely. Who overturned that law. That is fantastic. Yeah. That's like shout huge. Out, shout out to Frankie, Nikki, Adam, John. Yeah. Yes. You did a really good thing. Even if that's like the, if that was the only thing I ever did in my life, that would be fine. I know. Because that is so major. It's huge. Like they made dancing legal. Yeah, it's They insane. legalized dancing. That's no, insane. It's amazing. That is fantastic. I love that. Yeah. So clubs. Yeah. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, they're open to like 8 a or like noon. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so how do you go about doing that? Like yeah. physically, emotionally, like yeah. staying up. That's a long time. If you're yeah. like DJing, yeah. are drugs involved? Is right. drinking involved? Like I feel like I could dance the night away if I were on like coke and alcohol, you know? Yeah. I mean or it's- I guess there's MDMA, which is yeah. A there's definitely like big. raver specific drugs. Like ravers don't actually drink a lot because it's hard to stay up for twenty hours exactly. if you're drinking. Yeah. And like you get sloppy, you can't dance accurately. Uh huh. <laughs> um, but no, yeah. like as a, it's a it's a really interesting topic in nightlife because, um, yeah, nightlife is entwined with drugs, mm-hmm. and because. I feel like I became a DJ largely because I can't relate to partying. Mm-hmm. So for oh, me, wow. it gave me like a structured way to participate. Wow. Like and, ballet. And like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, this is the way that I can be in this situation, but feel like I have something to do. Oh, I love that. So, so partying, you mean like talking to people and like doing. Talking like- to people, doing drugs, drinking. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that made it's not like enticing to me it's not relaxing for me I do drink but and like I dabble but for the most part I prefer to be sober and I like that being at work is an excuse for sobriety as well absolutely so absolutely um also like I was just speaking with some friends before this about how people often comment to me that I have like particularly strong boundaries to the point that a lot of people don't like me or don't think that I like them because I'm not giving them enough. (laughs) 
I'm not like showing them enough like outward praise or warmth or enthusiasm or whatever. Oh my God, I wish so, I could be like that. But I think a lot of that is like me trying to conserve my energy. Right. So I, I also play really fast, like intense techno. Mm -hmm. And so I'm often booked at the end of the night. To so keep everyone it'll going. be like when I'm on tour, like I'll usually do like dinner and then an espresso and then a nap. Wow. And then <laughs> like sleeping. I kind of feel like I'm obsessed with sleeping whenever I'm not working so that I can make sure to have the energy to be fully present while I'm working, yeah. aka playing. Yeah. And when you're working slash playing, I, does that energize you in itself? Absolutely. Like, yeah. if I'm extremely fatigued, I'll be, like, tired during a set. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, it's really energizing to play. Um, but I often don't, I don't know, there's a lot of catharsis after a set or after, like, getting through a tour and having like a last show uh -huh. and then maybe I can like party. Right, right, right. Or like relax or Yeah, that's um, or like I would often have a drink after my set. Mm -hmm. But yeah. not ever during the night. Or with with my writing, I my favorite part was be, was finishing what I was working on. Yeah. Because that meant I could like have a drink or exactly. I could re relax and it yeah. was done and Yeah. And something that I need to remember is that when you're working on something that you like doing and that requires focus and all of your attention, that pretty much always energizes you. And totally. I always forget that. Or maybe I just make so many excuses. Do you ever dread performing or playing a show working? Um... Are you ever like, I really don't want to do this? Oh, my God. I mean, I think, like, it's not that I don't want to. It's just that it's physically really taxing touring. Mm -hmm. So, for example, flying across the world to... I mean, I think the worst I've ever had was, like, going to Australia and then having to play a show within the first 24 hours that I was there. And just, like, it actually was a completely different time in my brain right. on top of like 24 hours of travel before. So just physically not really feeling like it's possible to be present. Right. And then, so it's not like I'm dreading not dread, the experience of being there or performing. It's more just, I don't know. I mean, sometimes if I'm in an extreme emotional state, I'm like, wow, I have to like not cry while I'm playing or something, but yeah. I can cry after or something, you know, and like that can be challenging, but I'm not, I don't think that's dread. It's more just like you're physically. And I think there's exhausted. some kind of melancholy and like, I've, there are a lot of extroverted personalities that are big DJs. And I think it can be really challenging being very introverted, identifying and having people around you wanting you to be high energy introverted people how does that manifest like while DJing I have a good example which is um a few years ago I played um Detroit Movement which is a really big deal mm -hmm. it's a really famous legendary festival in Detroit mm -hmm. and with a lot of history it meant a lot to me um I had an afternoon slot and I hadn't slept a lot. I had flown straight there from another show, you know, like things like that. And then I played my set and someone afterwards in this kind of like green room food area that I know from Twitter was like, oh, hey, what's up? Like, how was your set? And I was like, oh, it was good, but I'm really glad that it's over. Mm -hmm. And then this extremely famous <laughs> DJ, um, I don't know if I should. You can, you, uh, yeah. Naming names or Amelie Lenz. Uh-huh. She said, you're glad it's over? I never want it to end. <laughs> and I just was like, I'm tired. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, I was nervous. I'm glad I performed well. Mm -hmm. I'm, I tried my best. Yeah. I'm super happy that it went well. Uh-huh. I would like to take a nap. <laughs> 
you know? And, like, I just felt like it was so aggressive. That sounds... Um, you know, and like, like and then a, like, like a jab dick. And she's the kind of person that's, you know, like pumping her fists in the air. And I'm just like, right. I can't, like a I can give you like DJ. my focus. Yeah, I can give you my focus. I can do a good job. I can do my thing. But I'm not going to like perform beyond that. And yeah. And like you said, everyone there is just not looking at anyone anyway. I guess DJs do. Yeah, like do the pumping people up thing. Yeah. But that, I guess that's not like totally necessary unless you're a Paris Hilton DJ. It's just like that's not my thing. And I feel like oftentimes there's pressure to even like um, I had to like make a choice about being nice to people if they want to take a photo of me or take a photo with me. Uh-huh. And just like I it makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. Yeah. It feels I don't know. It's it's a lot. Right. But I realize that that means so much to people. Uh-huh. That that's so it's cool. kinder <laughs> to just be like, okay, let's yeah. do it. Let's just be like goofballs right now. Uh-huh. Like, let's go for it. Yeah. But I, like that is that is a my impulse is to to hide myself more. No, that's a wild conundrum, you know. It's like your comfort versus outward kindness, mm-hmm. you know. It's cool of I, you. I mean, I, I don't know. I try. And it's also really cool that you establish boundaries. I wanted to comment on that earlier. How do you do that? Asking for myself. Have you always been really good with setting boundaries? <laughs> I wouldn't have like identified it that way, but I, this is the, more what people say to me. Uh huh. You know? So it's just um, it's in your nature. Think, yes. Wow. Um, and you compartmentalize work and socializing and sleeping. I'm not good at, I mean, I'm not, I'm not good at giving a lot in general, but I, I would, I would say, or like, Uh I feel like it's really important to be present for people. So I feel like my brain kind of is like, if we're having a coffee date, I'm going to be a hundred percent present with you, Uh but otherwise maybe not. Mm -hmm. That's awesome that you acknowledge that and are aware of that and you can tell people that. Yeah. I I feel like just simply communicating that to someone would save like <laughs> a lot of distress and like yeah. I I just say yes to everybody all the time. Does that make and, you feel like sensitive at times or like Yeah, I'm always like I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to meet up with them and then like I'll feel resentment toward yeah. them for like making me do this, but yeah. it's just because I couldn't say no, you well, know? Yeah. And I think I've had bad boundaries with certain people and mm-hmm. like that has affected like my long-term feelings about like how much I can give or want to give. And there is a lot of pressure as a performer, especially if you have outward approval to take mm-hmm. every show and to take every opportunity and to meet up with people to network, et cetera. Like, right. there's not a lot of wild. room for being like, oh, like, I actually like don't feel like it or like I want to. So it's like. That's how, so cool. And I also, love your life. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> but also like a lot of performers like ham it up and they want that. And like mm-hmm. a lot of, I noticed also during the pandemic so much of music industry became like about photo shoots. Right. You know, stuff like that. So it's like... Did you love being in lockdown? Yeah. Yeah. I needed a break so bad. (laughs) I needed to reconnect to my joy Mm -hmm. of music. Like, great. Yeah. I met a whole different crew of people during the pandemic. Like on message boards? No, like just through kind of like chance. Uh Uh-huh. And people that were really into records and into like chilling in someone's living room, playing records for each other. Like, I didn't I really have a connection to that because I kind of got swept up quickly. Right, right. So, so it is pure, like dancing in a club is such a pure feeling that you can do. And yeah. it's not. It's this, also addictive. It is. Is it? Well, yeah, because if you start living at night and if you're getting paid for it, you don't have to interface with normal day reality. Right. So it's easier to like... At the height of my, like, burnout slash career, (laughs) I would, like, go to sleep at 9 p.m., wake up at 1 a.m., and go out by myself and not tell anyone. 
cool. Because that's how I could like go relax. Yeah. That is so you know? cool. But I don't know. As far as I, I don't want to not answer your question about how to have better boundaries. But I find that <sighs> surrounding myself with people that have even stronger boundaries is really helpful. Like keeping people around that remind you that. Like, if I have friends that cancel on me because they're saying they need to replenish their energy, I'm like, wow, that's so yeah. cool. I didn't that know that you so could do cool. that. And then I'm like, I'm not mad at you for bailing on me. I uh-huh. think, like, I'm in awe. Yeah. No, that's, so it's like having people remind you that, like, oh, you could actually have better boundaries. It's like, oh, oh, okay. Right. Right. And that's just simply communicating. Yeah, because like I'm, I'm the same. I was grumpy so much of the time because uh-huh. I didn't want to be somewhere and I didn't know how to say it. Yeah, grumpy. Yeah, that like is, really grumpy. Yeah, and that sucks. It's not like a good situation for anyone. Right. No one has a good time. Yeah, Boundary and, yeah. people. And then, yeah, you become, it's like a lot of people would say that DJing is one of the most like privileged careers ever. You know, you get to do what you love. You get to perform, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, there are a lot of complex downsides, but at the same time, like, yeah, I do appreciate that. Uh-huh. And I don't want to be in clubs just being miserable, showing people like, yeah. oh, I'm pissed off because uh-huh. I haven't rested and I haven't said no in months. Wow. So before you started uh, getting huge <laughs> not huge, no, before not huge. before you started DJ getting like slots that are in the small hours of the morning. Yes. Were you nocturnal at all before then or did you you yeah. already were so yeah. it wasn't transition or something you had to mm, work Not on. really. I was always yeah, staying up, staying up late, sleeping in. Yeah, it's um, the best. Yeah. I would ugh, I've tried yeah. to be diurnal many yeah. times it's I've, I've read that it's um it's not for everyone yeah it's not yeah and that's okay yeah and that's just fine yeah I'm much clearer at night I feel like around like 4 p.m I start to like have thoughts seven for me okay yeah seven that's is fine. when I start to have thoughts. yeah well now that uh daylight savings is on or off oh I my god don't yeah. know which it's earlier for me, which is great. Yeah. I love when it gets dark earlier yeah. because, yeah, that's when my brain starts to have thoughts that make sense. It sucks, though, because society, you know. I know. But that's the thing is if you work at night, you don't really have to participate in society. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's true. Yeah. You know, like you have to do taxes, but. Right. No. I would have like coffee dates to like make myself get up in the morning. Mm-hmm. That is the only way I'll get. Yeah. Well, no. The only way I'll get up in the morning is if someone is literally paying me for yeah. like a job. Yeah. And also like my business partners with Disc Woman, which we should talk oh, about. Oh, yes. Let's um, please talk about They're Disc both Woman. early people. And I, I had a lot of like peer pressure, honestly, to be accountable early in the day. And how did that? And how- I mean, we would kind of like joke about it and negotiate like, okay, like I'll be up by 10 because uh-huh. I have to work all night on the weekends and yeah. this is part of my reality. Mm-hmm. 10 is early. That is mad early and fine. That's good. Thank you. That is fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Noon for me is like, that's the earliest I'll like be, be able to be somewhere. Okay. Realistically. It's or a boundary. You know yeah. that about yourself. I do. Yeah. I do. And That's it cool. sucks. My psychopharmacologist said that it's fine to sleep in as long as you have a few hours that you can make like a doctor appointment during. Yeah. So at like 4 p.m. or something. Okay. Yeah. As long as you get to your appointment by four, uh, okay. you can continue being nocturnal. Yeah. Nightlife. Yeah. It's Girl. also like... Being nocturnal is convenient in a lot of ways that people that work nine to fives don't get to access. Like, you can go to the doctor if you want to. Yeah, that's true. Like, you can do your laundry whenever you want. Right. Like, it is so nice. Like, I feel like part of why my life works is because I'm at home during the day to, like, 
receive the random knock on the door that is like mm-hmm. the maintenance person of my building yeah. handing me a mail key that I've been waiting on for months, you know, like things like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. I really have taken that this lifestyle for granted, not having a day job. It's like, it is, yeah. But I do, doing laundry yeah. whenever you want is so it is good. nice. I envy the structure though a lot. I Yes, me too. Yeah. Like a lot. You me, t- me too. I, mean, I still am sort of wanting a full-time job. I think during the pandemic, I was like, I need to, my career's over. Oh. So I need to find something else. That's and then I became the case, very though. attached to that idea. And now I think I'm letting it go again. Wait, tell me about that. Um, so you wanted to get a full-time job, did you? Or is that I went from wanting to be a nurse to wanting to be a therapist to wanting to get into coding uh-huh, uh-huh. to wanting to work at an NFT company to accepting that maybe I am supposed to be a techno DJ. Right. Did you think about acupuncturist? No. I've I I have all that is so relatable because I'm yeah constantly like do I need a career change what am I supposed to be doing with my life yeah like what am I supposed to be doing hand plastering was another one what yeah like Like plastering like bathrooms or by hands yeah yeah, yeah. by hand oh yeah I've thought about picking up carpentry yeah absolutely every few months yeah art handling how hard Mm -hmm. can that be it pays well it does it does of course yeah coding I've I feel like that's super relatable yeah. and normal. And listeners, it's okay to not know what you want to be when you grow up still. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, I still am. I don't want to tour as much as I did before. And that's the reality of being a musician as you have to tour uh-huh. because of digital copyright being so um, convoluted. Uh, Interesting. Okay, that makes sense. Because it can only exist live. Yes, that's the economy. Right. Unless you're like really big on streams, Spotify, etc. But Mm -hmm. how did Girl Talk get away with all of that? I don't know, actually. That was awesome. Yeah, (laughs) everyone loved Girl Talk. I still love Girl Talk. I I have no idea. That Girl Talk was was the peak of music and then nothing should have been made after. I I don't... That's really believe that but kind of I do no it's a good it's a good line regardless <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I should have that to my LinkedIn yeah you should <laughs> should I become a DJ damn no um, you have to like music a lot I think mm-hmm. or feel that you have a specific viewpoint to convey or something like that right but I, I mean anyone can be a DJ oh not everyone not- <laughs> But uh, I I just found out the beauty of listening to a record, and okay. like fully and holding the big cardboard sleeve and like yeah. looking at it while the music is playing. It's so nice. And, okay, great. And yeah. pure and good. And I used to do that as a kid when I had like CDs or something. Yeah. But it like putting the needle down yeah. on the record and. those like the little static thingies Mm -hmm. between each track and it's so nice yeah it's so cool yeah so you're already like got into an audiophile yeah i i used to make fun like i I dated uh, a record guy for a long time and i'd make fun of him all the time for having so many records yeah but he truly loved every single one and truly listen yeah. to them. It wasn't like a, my bookshelf where it's a bunch of books I definitely haven't read before, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, And he revisits them. And I find that revisiting albums is, like books also, is just special. And yeah. I, I, no, I feel like I'm a deep nerd when it comes to records. Like, I'm not very good at name dropping. Like, mm-hmm. I have records that I would say, like, are my very favorite. And I still couldn't tell you, like what they are just Mm -hmm. because I've memorized like the way they look. Yeah. And like once you start digging, especially in New York city where there's such a rich history of music, like Mm -hmm. there, and then you start like seeing clues on like labels and seeing like credits on 
who worked on what and what Ooh. studios. Like, it's fascinating. Like, I feel so attached to that. That's experience. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's like investigative. Yeah. So different than digital anything. Uh -huh. Like, I don't even really know how to like listen to music otherwise. Like, it's insane. Like, that's I'm, so cool. Yeah, yeah it, it's really cool because a lot of the times the 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 record that you'll that you find or something is the only one, and it, mm -hmm. you know it's it's really special and cool. And record stores are cool because yeah. they let you listen to it totally before you buy it. Yeah, yeah. I wish every store was like I that. Know. Did yeah. you know you can't try the makeup at Sephora anymore? Really? That's what I heard because of the pandemic. I went in recently and tried on mascara. Wow. In like downtown Brooklyn. Did, did you get I pink I put on Gucci mascara. So left. you still can do it on Court yeah, Street? I, so. I mean, they, they weren't really like looking at me, mm -hmm. but they have the little things. You oh, know? that's great. That's what I like about Sephora. Yeah. I used to go in there before work when I worked in Bryant Park. I would go there before work and do my face and then after work I would just like spray myself with the perf all the yeah. perfumes. That's what it's for. Yeah. 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 Record stores and Sephora have the good business models. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of um, random chance in record stores that I, I mm -hmm. really, I like kind of just deeply zoning out and just sort of seeing what happens. Is it kind of like thrifting? That's how oh, I get yeah, with absolutely. thrifting. Oh, yeah. God, I love shopping so yeah. much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love, I love <laughs> thrift stores. I, it's so relaxing. Yeah. Damn. It's very similar. And I will even feel like guilty about going to the record store on like a beautiful day. Right. Like, oh, I should be working. I should be. And then I'm like, my literal job is to find records. Yeah. That's a really good justification. Like, I don't need to feel bad about this. Like, uh -huh. DJs are supposed to find records. And, oh, wow, that's so cool. I'm so happy for you that you've figured it out, you know, doing what you love for work. Because that is the goal, I think, for everybody. That's, yeah. as far as lifestyles go, that's what everyone wants. Yeah, I was feeling very jaded through the pandemic, I think, because I never expected it to be so... Um, challenged but I'm feeling a little better now and also just the industry is really um gross and talk about racist that. and a good example is in in 2010 to maybe 2014 there were a lot of people that would have a SoundCloud with like a crazy name a picture of something blurry mm -hmm. And then like a million tracks with like obscure names and all of the imagery was like blurry, like or like pictures of trash, sort of that sort of aesthetic right. moment. Right. And then it like has shifted over time so that that's somehow no longer enough. You have to have like a well-produced video, a name, a face. You can't just have an avatar you have to have really? a persona. People have to know things about your life. You have to be funny on Twitter. It's like you yeah. have to have all these highly produced photo shoots and and friends and bookings at these specific. It's like it became uh, more and more commodified in the last 10 years. Having a and, personality. Yeah. And more basically the, the economic wealth from this thing like electronic music mm -hmm. specifically for white Europeans became bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we're still kind of seeing that going like commodity at each move at each level of what seems like improvement. And also like the kind of branded partnership blow ups and like all of this, like, Oh, you're a DJ. That means you're also a sneaker model. And uh, you know, right. it's like, right. It's just like hard to, like wade through all of that and then still be attached to a creative practice at all. So that is a lifestyle that you are reluctant to subscribe to, but it's part of the yeah. job. Yeah. So it's not all perfect. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it is just difficult over time to see who benefits from, from that, from like, if if you're able to be mindless and not engaged <laughs> with, you know, politics or reality or, yeah. <laughs> you know, any social justice, et cetera, then 
you're you're good. You're good. Yeah. You know? well, your and I think that solid. the pandemic really exploded that. And it was like, okay, maybe people are going to change. Maybe people will uh-huh. become more aware of imbalances. And yeah, I thought how, that, I thought things would change during yeah, during that too. Yeah, exactly. And <laughs> you know, you saw sort of people's like scrambling gestures at the time, and then seeing things come back in a wave and feel so similar to how they were is really devastating. I. Um, 100 yeah. agree with you that is well put yeah so sad yeah it's really hard so I think it's hard to like accept a place in an industry with you know I have a booking coming up where I'm like oh I'm booked with all of these like other white women techno DJs mm-hmm. that I don't know if I'm on the same page the with benefit and, from the photo shoots and the yeah and that the, it's just like oh my god I'm back in this where I need to be in good social standing with these people and, and then I have to and then I'm the one getting it's just like it is a, important a lot to, <laughs> yeah no for sure I wish I could just um well it's part of the job which sucks it's part yeah. of like every job now I think to totally. be honest though yeah and I mean there's like you know a two percent more accountability maybe but mm-hmm. um yeah yeah I think I just felt really fed up by by the industry yeah and I mean just seeing seeing capitalism like slightly apart from my interests for a year was really nice yes you know <laughs> yeah absolutely I I liked that period of mm-hmm. time that was such a gift we'll never mm-hmm. have anything like that again it was beautiful mm-hmm. god that was amazing I know all the holidays coming up, I'm like, I, no. oh, it was so nice last year when yeah, I didn't have to I go. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Oh my goodness. When I was with these people that I met, you know, two months prior, mm-hmm. having the time of my life, just enjoying the peace. <laughs> yeah, no, though, I really think we should have like two months every single year where we do that. I know. For the environment. For the for people's mental, for health. mental health, for a lot of reasons. I know. Yeah, and it they, it'll never happen because of the economy, because capitalism. Mm-hmm. Yep, it sucks. Also, I wish I could get all my money back from the stock market. Oh, <laughs> that was a pandemic thing that I got involved okay. in. Basically, not just in a gambling. Okay. Well, no, I made I made a, a decent amount of money, okay. but well, that's something. But uh, yeah, I yeah. I just want to take my money out forever. Okay. It was a, I don't know why I just brought that up. I was just thinking of things that happened. Yeah. The economy. Yeah. So yeah, that the music industry, that's something that bugs you. Do people assume that you do all the drugs, like the party drugs? Definitely, that, yeah. And yeah, that's. Um, yeah, like a club one time, the hospitality people greeted me and they said, um, would you like a welcome line? Oh, and I wow. said, uh, excuse me? <laughs> and they're like, oh, do you want like a welcome line? And I was like, uh, no, no, absolutely not. That's what? wild. But like, I'm sure that like so more than half of the DJs in the world probably would be like, oh, hell yeah. Thanks. Yeah, for sure. Like you're taking care of me. Uh-huh. And that's wild. I'm definitely like an alien when it comes to drug use and nightlife. That's interesting. How how do you find interacting with people on drugs? I think during? it makes me grumpy. Yeah. And I think <laughs> it makes me feel isolated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is it more irritating to be around drunk people at a bar or around? Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. so too. Because people like on <laughs> MDMA or speed or acid are usually at least in a place of energetic joy type, right. type of engagement not very messy too much yeah yeah i was like i find that things that interrupt your ability to like be sensitive are what bother me so like i find cocaine very annoying to be around (laughs) i don't want to like see it i don't want Uh it to be done around me yeah being around people on coke i don't (laughs) i don't love when people are so drunk that they can't understand like what their body is doing in relation to other people yeah you know like yeah that stuff is more 
just irritating. Whereas if someone just like wants to like grab your hand and like be like, I love you. Uh Everything is beautiful. You're like, okay, yeah. Right. Like it's not like I'm gonna be mad at that. Mm -hmm. That's very sweet, you know? Yeah. So wait, can we talk about rave culture? Sure. So I feel like from the outside, rave culture kind of has a bad connotation where it's just, you know, drugs and yeah. just being on drugs and yeah. just like tripping out and like dead eyed and yeah. dancing, not just doing all the drugs. Yeah. Uh, but on the inside, a lot of it is drugs, but a lot of it is for the love of the music or yeah and I I mean I think that's like also specifically why certain types of music are affiliated with raving like Mm -hmm. but it's not always like super like I know you do techno hard electronic yeah but it's not always no I mean like there are there are jungle raves there are you know hardcore raves but I think like the kind of intensity is part of it so it's usually like a rave is going to be affiliated with some sort of intense beat music mm-hmm. because people are looking for like kind of a trance-like experience. Um, mm. Or there's like, there's this word that I need to get better at explaining called entrainment about like organisms like moving together in a space or something. It's mm-hmm. like there are these kind of like either math it, inspired or like more spiritual ways that people talk about the experience of like cathartic yeah. body movement uh-huh. with a bunch with of people, people to music that's loud enough that you feel it in your body. Uh-huh. Oh, wow. I um, love that. So I think that that's more what I would want to focus on talking about the experience of mm. raving and that for someone that doesn't, want to do drugs mm-hmm. or doesn't want to use substances you can still access that For in sure. a way that feels really like For sure. pure and it's the opposite of it should be the opposite of escapism in my opinion like it should be like f- being fully present right wow okay. um but i think that like i don't i don't want to go into a territory of sounding like judgmental but i think like there are there are a lot of ways of accessing that, but for some people, the introduction is drug use because it's like, oh, we're we're just going to like, to... you know, es- we're going to escape this experience instead of engaging with it really oh. directly. And I think that for some people, drug use enhances that experience, uh-huh. but I would almost so, recommend getting into it sober. Yeah, I was just going to say that it reminds me of like how I would have to get drunk to be able to enjoy jazz because I dated a jazz Mm -hmm. drummer and it started getting good when I got Mm -hmm. drunker. Mm -hmm. But now I have gone into listening to jazz sober and Mm -hmm. it is so very different. Mm -hmm. Actually appreciating like nonsense. I'm just kidding. Well, well, they're just like... Yeah, maybe randomness uh-huh. or, no. but also like then you get deeper into jazz and you like learn more about exactly. it. And you're like, oh my God, there's this like frequency science that's like uh-huh. tricking my brain. Like that's why right. I'm captivated, you know? Yeah. Extensive research into one of your interests is like a drug. Yeah. You know? it, it really sh- it is. Getting be. so <laughs> close to something that you like is almost an escape, escapist thing in a way you know it's like I love escapism and I find that when I'm doing research on things that I love and I'm looking at like mental health stuff and mm-hmm. like science stuff it's not escapist but it feels as such when I'm going down these these uh holes and I don't know it's I, I'm not focusing on myself I'm being mindful mm-hmm. but it's I find that I can I can get away from myself, which yeah. is why I was drinking all the time because I didn't want to be with myself. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I think I can sometimes be judgmental when people are like, 
I could never listen to techno during the day. Like, that's crazy. And I'm just like, oh, you're just not there yet. (laughs) Yeah. And then like, I literally meet people that are like really gentle and like, oh, I would never do that. And then like two years later, they're like, I I listen to techno all day. You know, I don't know. But I mean, that's I'm I'm not there yet. But you did. You did come to my club space and, and you it's awesome it. I did and I didn't know what you would I think. I love dancing and the, yeah I as a sober person I now I feel like I appreciate that sort of environment yeah because like you said I can access just the pure music and it feels so good and the yeah. sound system there you yeah can feel the music <laughs> in your breath it's yeah. so but it's Beautiful. also so cool to see people like reflect on that and experience it and see people like come into a space like that and then feel comfortable there. Like it's it feels almost random to me sometimes where I'm like someone will come through and then I'm just like, oh, this is this is for you and you know it. So then you're just going to come back and mm-hmm. that's. And then you kind of like end up like building community randomly with people that you don't even know anything about. Uh-huh. Like. There are people that come to like my studio space where we have this like sound system every weekend and I know almost nothing about them, mm-hmm. but like we can share that and that's super, that's like such a nice way of socializing. It, it really is. Yeah. I feel like any other, before I went to your space or I, honestly, before I went to your space, I would, the only times I would end up in places like that or just like by chance like drunkenly just mm-hmm. ending up there and now I can I can see myself there just being drunken annoying mess just not understanding the vibe at mm-hmm. all just totally not getting it and I'm so embarrassed to like to think about what a what I mean I know ever no one like paid attention to me <laughs> because everyone's in their own thing but I'm embarrassed just for myself, just <laughs> thinking about your hypothetical no, other self. Yeah, just yeah. I just didn't get it, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Music is the purest art form, and it's also the hardest. I think most difficult hmm. to produce. I think that in writing. Yeah, I mean, I guess like there are formulaic ways of making music, like anything, but. I was like talking recently, I went to a festival and I had like an acid realization where I was Mm -hmm. like, so much of what people like about music is restraint and like musicians that people are really into are good at tapping into whatever they have and then restraining from going away from that formula and then like people want to access that and that's like such a big part of what's like captivating about musicians I guess oh wow but I don't really know if that makes sense Um, no that's interesting but in that moment it made a lot of sense to me (laughs) yeah well when you think about top 40 you know the the easiest music to listen to it's basically the same song yeah it's all the same song and you know it works yes and yeah I think it's cool the more you learn about music the more you appreciate it you know Mm -hmm. I guess it's like any anything like a wine or whatever but uh it's so beautiful it's so cool even when I was doing ballet or any contemporary or any dance the way I related to music I didn't appreciate it as I mean I I always have like music was just like an accompaniment to mm-hmm. to my like yeah routine performance combination etc and I mean yeah I would get like in it but being in a in a club space while sober is such a cool experience mm-hmm. and so beautiful and pure and thank you for inviting me to your space oh yeah and um, I just I highly recommend it to everybody to go to a club sober and just dance mm-hmm. and just feel it because no one is looking at you at all it's so cool mm-hmm. I think also like during the pandemic I was I was just thinking about this because thinking about classical music with ballet, like I felt really 
angry in the pandemic, like reflecting on the music industry and reflecting on how there's such a push for positivity in electronic <laughs> music and how like the range of like classical music being often like very emotional and sad right. and like, or like I got really into um, a friend of mine curated a show about requiems, like death music in churches. And like, I was like, why? Like there's so much other music. Right. Like, why do we shy away from that in electronic music too? Like this sort of like powerhouse fist pumping, like waiting for the drop, like culture. <laughs> yes. Um, and I think like that's another part of like people shying away from that experience of sobriety is like being willing to be present for like death music like the real, the and real, like the real stuff, emotional music. And like, yeah. I think that a lot of people that are really into techno are trying to like tap into something deeper or that's interesting. Think about, you know, science and think about like physics yeah. and <laughs> and what was the word that uh you used for the the people moving together and oh entrainment entrainment I was gonna say train stopping <laughs> or train spotting entrainment <laughs> yeah that's interesting to think about if if the music were sad you know well yeah I mean or emotional or dark it's it's just a, it's cool thing to that's oh. like what people that go to church get to experience I think oh wow I don't yeah know. is the, that music is pretty it's kind of hardcore dark <laughs> yeah but it's awesome it's, it's powerful yeah I think it that's is powerful that's like something maybe people should recognize is like the experience of hearing like a pipe organ is moving uh -huh. maybe in the same way that going to a club is both yeah religious experiences there you go. <laughs> I really love where we ended up. It was, yeah. It's always kind of rough in the beginning just to like get into it. Yeah. But once we get into the thing. Totally. Yeah. And you're so good at talking about the music and you're very astute and concise. And That's nice to hear. I could definitely talk and talk about it I mean it's obviously it's my like favorite thing so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um lifestyle yeah, yeah. Emma yeah thank thank you I mean I feel like we could we could go on we haven't even talked about like mental I guess we covered mental health with your uh when we spoke about uh like drugs re-energizing coffee yeah sleep sleep yeah. is so important I guess yeah I am just learning that I'm obsessed. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of cross the line where it becomes like depression sleeping. It's hard to. I never really know where that line is, though, because I find that when I'm in bed, like sleeping in, I feel so much like joy. Like I feel so grateful that I'm allowed to be in bed or that I'm like allowed to like see the sun from my bed like yeah I feel stressed out and like I don't deserve it okay. kind of I don't know I, I feel like guilt because I don't have a day job and I can do laundry and it's, yeah sure if when I should just feel grateful I guess you can either feel grateful or guilty well and I mean Those I don't want to belittle like actual debilitating depression that maybe I don't have right oh yeah I always forget that not everybody has that thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. It's like I, I don't actually stay in bed for days on end, mm. but I do. No, it's good. It's you're a high functioning a nightlife girl. Yeah. Cool girl. Yeah. You're really cool, Emma. Thank you. Thank you. I'm <laughs> trying my best. So, do you have anything you'd like to, any last words of wisdom before we end the episode? Or anything you want I to guess. plug? Oh, um, I'll plug my my studio mates at my um, semi-anonymous mm -hmm. studio. Yes. And my disc woman mates. We'll add links in the bio. And All right. What? That's a um, rat. Yeah, that's a rat squeaking. Like in outside. the AC. That's, no, I it's not I'm, in the AC. I'm going to say it's outside. It's outside. Um, sorry. No, it's fine. Uh, yeah. 
I, I think that about covers it. You know, my, my, my crew, mm-hmm. um, and we already shouted out Bossa Nova Civic Club a lot, mm-hmm. which is very important. Um, yeah, it is very important. I guess, yeah, the links will provide people being able to, like, look me up if we'll they want the to learn more about 90s techno yeah. and the history of techno. You should, or you could, you would be able to, you are able to offer a music history class, I bet. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, there I are... I feel like I want to have you back on the pod and do a music history lesson. There's more of that now. I think particularly there's a huge focus and push for black history education for sure within techno yeah um, and within i think ever, ever, across the board yeah. my business partner frankie started a big project called dweller that's mm-hmm. specifically focused on black electronic music uh-huh. and that's like a lot more in the open now and becoming yeah. there's a lot of traction where people want to learn and people are being platformed by institutions etc to talk about these things. So I don't have to do that. I don't need to do that. There are people getting paid to do that, and that is great. But you know what you could do? You could <laughs> podcast about it. It's true. true. <laughs> I'd listen to it. I love educational podcasts. Yeah. They're my, pretty much the only ones I listen to that. And yeah, the history fiction. angle is more captivating than talking about like contemporary industry, definitely. That's cool, too, though. Yeah. I mean, everyone should just go to Detroit too, and yes, and see what spend that's some like. money there. Spend money there. Ask some locals where to go. Yeah, I've never been to Detroit, yeah. but I sense that it's a special place. Yeah, maybe it's Owl Movement 2022. You know? Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> okay, listeners, thank you for sticking with us, and again, thank you, Emma. Thank you, Al. Good night and later. Goodbye. Ciao. Love ya. Ciao. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to the Al Anonymous Patreon at patreon.com slash alanonymous. And if you don't feel like paying for my otherwise free podcast, perhaps you could subscribe, rate, and review Al Anonymous on iTunes and all the other places that you get your podcast streaming. And finally, if you are technologically impaired, Maybe you can just tell all of your friends how much you love this podcast, Al Anonymous, and me, Al. Thank you, and I love you all.